0: Welcome back, pool fans from across the country and around the world. You are listening to American Billiard Radio. My name is Mr. Bond. I'll be your host once again this week. And I'll be joined by Mr. Mark Cantrell of the Legends and Champions Report and Tour, no less. You get another hat to add to your collection there, Mark. How are you doing today?
1: Yeah, good. That's good. Yeah, and something out. Oh, uh, that's, that's so right. A, you get the, Published author.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> published author, tour director, you know, and, and,
1: and report. You know, I, and just, just so you know, I have actually, I know it's not Father's Day, but for the past 20 Father's Day, I have actually received the nomination and award for Best Father. Father of uh, the
0: Year? My, oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, 20 years consecutive running champion.
0: (laughs) Best father, 20 years in a row. (laughs) 20
1: years years in a row, baby. Don't worry about it.
0: Seriously, I'm saying.
1: I'm on on that father thing.
0: Yeah, can't touch this. Mm, Yeah. Well, um, you know, have you been watching the Olympics?
1: I have been watching, uh, a, so I've, I've kind of lacked off a little bit uh, recently. Yeah. But I've, I did watch a lot of swimming, and I've been watching the controversy with uh, mm-hmm. uh, Ryan Lochte and his uh, story about getting robbed at gunpoint and, you know, things like that story. Why would you do that, man? I'm telling <laughs> you, know. why? You're, you're like... Oh, you know, 20 freaking medals from the uh, Olympics altogether. You know, not just this time, the other times as well.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: And you've got all this going for you. I, I, and then they went out like, apparently they went out and got licked up and got a little crazy. That's fine. You know what? You won medals, you're in the Olympics, you're in Brazil. Yeah. You know, you've been training like a crazy person uh, for, for a while and not really probably taking much of a downtime. And now it's over, and you're in Brazil. Hey, go ahead, let loose. I don't, I don't care. God bless them, let him do it. But then to make up stories about getting <laughs> robbed at gunpoint with a gun to your head and by the police, I've seen. Bunch of these. <laughs> uh, it's like what the heck? Why would you do that? You yeah, no, if this turns out to be, I, I don't know everything at this point, but from the video that I've seen. Why, why would you do that? You're, you're, you're going to end up uh, being a. I don't know. Instead of a national hero, a national disgrace.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, a matter of fact, you know, yeah. they might start looking at taking his medals back or something. You know, that's that's not funny what he did, really. So, you know.
1: Uh, uh, I don't think they can take his medals back, but it's something because it's something that he did outside of the arena. But, uh, you know, he. It's just not. It's not right. If that's what... The way it's coming down, if that's the way it went down, that's,
0: uh, that's wrong. It's really
1: wrong. <laughs> yeah. Well, Honestly, right. he could have made a lot of money <laughs> in commentary yeah. and all kinds of stuff. That's right. Uh, that's right. There's still endorsements. But, <laughs> yeah, what, what's your thoughts on the Olympics? Where, where were you going with that? When, oh, uh, I that just...
0: Won? I was just talking current events. You know, I was watching... Uh, I got really bummed because... Uh, because uh, uh, the Kerry Walsh, Carrie Walsh Jennings and uh, oh gosh, it, what's her name? Ross. I I can never remember her first name. They they were undefeated. Uh-huh. They were undefeated in Olympic play. They've been to the the Olympics several times and were undefeated. Not who, not in their sets. What? In the women's beach volleyball.
1: Oh yeah! not yeah.
0: Yeah, she, they were on an undefeated like they've been undefeated in in the matches up until they met the Brazilians yesterday. They won they lost a match not only for the first time ever in their Olympic history, but they lost the match to qualify for the gold as well. So they were forced to only be able to take the even if they won, only get the bronze, which they did. It's just it was really sad because they, they have been taking the gold for years. So that was a really, really epic, uh, epic match of it. Anyway, why are we talking about volleyball? Sorry, I didn't mean to go off on that. Uh, let's talk about pool a little bit. Uh, we got to give out some congratulations, man. Uh, the Memphis Open just wrapped up this past week. And, uh, you know, Justin Hall, the Justins did well there, apparently. Uh, Justin Hall took the... Uh, Oh, gosh. What was it? The one pocket? Yes. And Justin Bergman took the 10 ball title. And Zach Sanderson took the nine ball. Or did I say that wrong? Did I say that right? Hall got the one pocket.
1: Honestly, I don't know. I wasn't looking. I hadn't been looking at the the results at this point as to what everybody turned out to be. I'll I'll have to take your word for it. Yeah, no. Um, Gotcha. I think you're somewhat correct, uh, if not 100% correct. No, we probably should know that, right?
0: Well, I just thought I had said the wrong. I thought I said nine pocket when I should have said one pocket. No, those guys did well, and we haven't heard much from Bergman this year. So, uh, you know, he's not real high up on the points list. So, you know, this is one of those things where uh, he needs to probably get a couple of points under his belt. Do we know if uh, the Memphis Open counts for Moscone Cup points? I, uh,
1: I don't know. Oh, it's a good, That's a great question. I, I, I don't know.
0: Yeah, no. I don't know. Bergman's not even on the radar as far as Moscone Cup points is concerned. That's why I'm wondering if... Uh,
1: right, right. I think we talked about that last week. And, yeah. uh, you know, so he's got some work to do, right? Hey, you know, I I, I, I think they would, something would have been said about uh, somewhere on the internet uh, about the Moscone points if the Memphis Open was a Moscone Cup's points event.
0: Yeah, you're right.
1: Um, you're absolutely right. Uh, and, and people asking what's the, the standings after the Memphis Open, right? But uh, I've got a I've got a feeling that that Memphis Open is going to end up. Somehow, being a Moscone Cup's point event, um, they, they, you know, I don't know, do you know Tracy Whitney there from High Pockets?
0: I don't know him personally, but I know of him, yes. Good guy.
1: Great guy. Great guy. You, I tell you, he's, he's so good with the, with the players and taking care of everybody and making sure that everybody's okay, um. Driving people back and forth at all kinds of times of night, and he's got pool room and a tournament to run. Right. And he's he just a, uh, he, you know, he's one of those, he's just a great guy. And there's, there's plenty of them out there sure. as well. It's like he's not the only one, there's plenty of them out there. But uh, hopefully, This uh, Memphis Open can uh, be coming. He points. can get on the not list, right? He gets some more attention.
0: Yeah, I just checked the list. He is not, the Memphis Open is not, in fact, on the list. So that's that's all right. It's not a big deal at this moment. Like I said, I think the only person that should really be concerned about it is Bergman. Uh, he's going to have to get his little carcass out there, you know, to get, I mean, I guess he can always hope for uh, Judge's pick if he's not going to get the old-fashioned way.
1: I tell you what um, I, I really don't know Justin uh, Justin Bergman very well at all uh, I think we've we've met us briefly a handful of times sure but I spent a lot of time with his dad his dad is awesome yeah. man one of the funniest nicest guys he'd ever want to meet I don't know anything about that as far as Justin goes but his dad is, a, is an absolute <laughs> if you ever get to uh, go to a tournament his dad's there Get close to him and say hello to him, and you'll yeah. be entertained. Maybe uh, when the pool's not going, he'll entertain you. Sure. He's a, he's a
0: yeah. up. Well, and it's coming down to the wire here. You know, there's not a lot of, uh, uh, of events left, as a matter of fact. You got the Turning Stone uh, coming up next week, August the 25th through the 28th, out in New York. Um, that is at Level 2. The Texas Open... Yeah. Uh, is September the 3rd, level 2 as well. Uh, that Four Bears Classic up in uh, North Dakota is a level 3. That's September the 15th. The Tornado Open uh, down in uh, Hollywood, Florida, September the 28th is a level 2. You got your Snook Winds, Gotham City, and the U.S. Open. And then, of course, if you want to go all the way to Kuwait, For the nine ball, you can go to that one too. But, uh.
1: What's what's in Kuwait?
0: The WPA Kuwait nine ball open. That is just after the U.S. opened nine ball. Like two days later, as a matter of fact.
1: Hold on. Make sure I'm understanding. The WPA nine ball open?
0: Yes. The Kuwait nine ball open.
1: The Kuwait nine ball open.
0: Okay, that is the.
1: T- it's a WPA sanctioned event. It's not a world championship, but it's sanctioned by the WPA. It
0: is. Right? It says WPA Kuwait Nine Ball Open, October the twenty fourth through November the fifth. That's probably why they wow. they they, moved, they bumped the U.S. Open back a week because that used to be the spot that uh, that the U.S. Open was sitting the last week in October. But so. Okay. that's kind of a last-ditch effort, but, yeah. you know, you'd have to go all the way to Kuwait to get your points, <laughs> you know, that's a pretty expensive uh, thing to have to do just to get on the Moscone Cup, but it might come down to that.
1: Oh, oh, oh hold, on, hold on, no. So, all right, so let me just double-check with you here. Because I always felt, or it always seemed like like it has been, the U.S. Open was the last major event right. points for most to top Right. And that's October. Right. And, and now so the US and European teams could change as of no what's the date? November what?
0: The last date of that tournament is November the fifth. It's the October
1: that's the
0: twenty October the twenty fourth to November the fifth.
1: Okay. Well, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be somebody going to it. Um, I, I'm going to get somebody like Shane, uh, right. or Oscar Dominguez, maybe even. Right. He like he seems like he likes likes to travel to those events.
0: Well, uh, and just like the U.S. Open, it's level one, which the, which you know in theory can throw somebody from really far behind to right up there in contention, you know, depending on what the standings are at that time, so.
1: Right. right. Know, that'll be interesting. Yeah, that, that, that's um, Okay, that's going to be interesting. So now it's not the U.S. Open anymore. There's going to be the, so, we, we're not going to know the teams after the U.S. Open. Right. We're going to know them after the QA Open
0: right. rival. The first weekend in November at this point. Which is kind of messed up, man. Oh, uh, I mean, that's not a lot of time. That's like barely a month in between the Kuwait Nine Ball Open and the Moscone Cup. Right,
1: yeah. That's, uh, I don't know. I guess, uh, I guess I know what they're doing. But <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't know, it just seems, you know what I mean? Uh, that's a, a little
0: tedious. Bed. Yeah, that's a little tedious, man.
1: Things things are going to change. They are in a big way, though.
0: They really are, and
1: it's you know the way the red is a level one. It's a level one thing. Those points on those events are are huge. Yeah, the like you can maybe win four events of the regular events, and think you're doing well, and then somebody out of nowhere wins first place. And yep. take over everybody.
0: That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> no, that's fantastic.
1: <laughs>
0: As a matter of fact, do you remember what we were talking about earlier today? I mean, our listening uh, uh, listening audience will not know the the joke here, but uh, guess who's number eight on the top ten Moscone Cup points list right now? Mark Cantrell. Hunter Lombardo. <laughs>
1: Oh, is he really? Yes, <laughs> he, is. he is. And, and you know what? I think he's been, think he's been going overseas,
0: hasn't he? I, I I don't know. I'm not really sure. He's above Corey Dool and Rob Sayaz both, so don't count Hunter Lombardo out of this race yet, Mark. He's up there. <laughs>
1: no, I never. I never counted him out. I, never know, I don't even know the guy. He goes <laughs> to show you if you got, if you've got um well. You know, if, if you've got these tournaments, they have huge huge points added to them. Right. And, and something's telling me, Ansel Lombardo has been going uh, to a few of these international events. And I could be wrong, but I think he has. I don't know why he's going to them or what's making his hey. what his decision process is. Is it, I want to win a world championship yeah. is it because uh, the payouts are better. He feels like he's got a chance. I don't know. But, um, yeah, we'll see if he's going. Good luck to him. Good luck to him. If he does.
0: All right. So maybe, uh, you know, maybe he's just moving to the inside Uh lane. Maybe he's just taking the inside track now and he's going to make his move. Sneak up behind Mike Duchenne and knock him out. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah,
1: I wonder if he can play in, like, the U.S. Open, uh, the World Nine Ball. Uh, this QA Open, the China Open. If you just, and you spend the money, it's a lot of money, you spend the money just to play in those, and you come in 10th place in each one. If that's worth as many points as, and, and you can gain up all the points just by playing in those.
0: Well, if you do, right. decent. Well, I'm looking at a level two event. 9th uh, through 12th position is 18 points. If it's a if it's a grade one, there are different grades. Is that how many points? Uh, for a level two grade one event, tenth place would give you right. eighteenth eighteen points for tenth place. Oh
1: yeah, that's not, that's not gonna work now. As opposed to
0: points. fifty points for first place. Yeah,
1: yeah, so, you got you got to be winning over that. Right. So you'd have to
0: get this. you'd have to get three, tenth or less place finishes to equal one first place finish now you could do it if you came in let's say fourth place then you could do it two events two to one events where you know one first place equals two you know fourth places but you know I it's impossible to tell what's gonna happen because like I said there are what are we looking at here uh, one two three four, Five, six, seven, eight events left. There are,
1: well, we don't know who's playing in
0: any of them, really. So, and yeah, we don't uh, know who's going to be there. We know that there's potentially 160 first-place points on the line for the two level ones. So somebody could take 160 points for getting first place in the U.S. Open and Kuwait Open. Now, that's a stretch to say that somebody would win both, you know, but... It's there. It's
1: not. It's not impossible. It's oh, not yeah, impossible.
0: It's not impossible. The level twos. Uh, if somebody wins a, a first place in a level two, that's fifty points. So you know, there's eight left. Um, you know, in theory, if they if they picked up first place in three of those events, that's 150 points right there. The gap between the the players is not 150 points. Um, it's only.
1: No, no, they've got. He's he's fairly close. Yeah, you
0: know, it, it's fairly close. Um, I want to say first and second place is just about what is that twenty, eh, thirty something points between second between Shane and Rodney. So there's only yeah. you know one.
1: we'll 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 see what happens. We'll see what happens. Please, right. uh, like it's a long way away. It's good to know where where they stand now. Right, but. We, you know, where we're going it's uh, we, we nobody knows it's so a whole thing. All I know is uh Greg Oski isn't going anywhere fast. He <laughs> might be going to jail.
0: <laughs> then back to the Olympic thing.
1: Yeah, you can talk about people getting held up, let me tell you a little uh, uh, Yeah. I don't know if this I don't know if this is funny or not. You've got to get the, the joke and the mannerisms in which it was said but um, I believe and I I, I could be not correct on this one but uh, it was definitely Buddy Hall who told me this story and they were in uh, some tournament years ago years ago and uh, Tommy Kennedy I believe that's the name the only name I could be wrong on uh, the, the guys were outside hanging out, and he's walking through the parking lot or something. And said, "I just got mugged in the parking lot." And Buddy Holds, I, like, tell me, you got what? How much did they get you for? He said, "I had a twenty-dollar bill. That's all I got." I mean, they got the twenty dollars from me. <laughs> and Buddy said, "Well, it's a good thing they didn't rob me, 'cause all they would have got was practice." <laughs> He's, he, basically, what he said is, I'm so broke that all they would have done is practice it profit somebody, you know, because he would gotten anything more out of it. <laughs> right. just so anyway. Yeah. I'll, I'll leave the uh, yeah, I'll leave, I, we left the Olympics alone
0: for, for now. Yeah, they would have um, all they would have got what? for me is a hot check. You know what I mean? Like, okay, I can write you a hot check if you want, but.
1: <laughs> my dad did that one time. I asked him. It was when I was a kid. I thought, and we were broke as a joke, man. I tell you, I, I don't know where the money came from. But my my dad told me one time he said, I, I asked him because they were making uh, fun of. Uh, I was in first school, and a couple of kids were getting picked on a little bit for you know they didn't have the nicest clothes or stuff like that. The little little poor. And uh, I asked my dad, I said, are we, are we poor? He said, poor? No, we're rich. I'm like, really? <laughs> we're rich? Yeah. And he, got, he, got, he said, watch this. And he got his checkbook out, and he wrote a check for a million pounds. Right. He said, there, I just wrote a check for a million pounds. And he just tore it up. <laughs> said, that's how rich we are. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God, he just tore up a million-dollar check? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that uh, from that point on for a while, I thought we were loaded until I understood that, you know, the check-in really was anything unless you
0: cashed it. Oh, no, that's funny. Uh, it, it, I When I was in middle school, um, my dad um, had, had a job at that particular moment as a real estate agent. Uh, a residential re- real estate agent and so he had to get like a nice car to take people because back in the day you know before the internet and stuff you used to have to drive your clients around on a little tour to still yeah to look at houses look at this one look at that property look at the, you know so they had to so a real estate person needed to get a good car a nice car to drive people around in
1: still yeah and they still do. And they still, still do. Right. Is thrilled,
0: right. Except for we were not rich, <laughs> so he had to fake it. So he got this uh, second-hand Cadillac from somebody. And I, I mean, granted, it was a Cadillac, but it, what, it really wasn't that nice of a Cadillac <laughs> because it was well used, you know? But uh, it was kind of impressive looking, I guess, because technically it was silver. It had this bad silver paint job. So, you know, if you looked at it from far away, it looked like a nice car, you know, whatever the case may be. So I, I go to school one day, and I know the truth. It's this secondhand beater that my dad's driving. And I go into school, and I get my dad actually drops me off for, for school one day. And I go into the into the hall, and some of my friends are standing there. And this girl says, oh, my God, did you see the car that he got out of? she thought it was like a limousine or something. I don't know what the girl was thinking, you know, but she had these images of me, and you know, royalty, and my driver dropped me off, and this stretch limo, you know, and I'm like, oh, are you kidding me? That's my dad, and that car's a piece of shit. <laughs> it's a secondhand, you know, beater that he had to get, uh, you know, sorry, so, anyway.
1: Yeah. That's-
0: we like to brag about how uh, poor we are. It,
1: it, you know, first impressions are everything. I guess.
0: <laughs> hey, but you know what? I, I it worked. It, it impressed the girls. You know what I mean. So it was working for and me. How old were you? Oh, sh- how old are you when you? How old are you when you're in seventh grade?
1: <laughs> I don't know what grades are. We didn't. We didn't have grades. Yeah, I I, uh, plus one plus two.
0: Yeah, it might might have been twelve or thirteen, maybe or you know, something like that, I don't know, yeah, so, yeah, I was totally hooking up with the ladies at, at 12, with the, you know, with my dad's silver cat right blank there, so, as an early warning, um, the NAPT has scheduled yet another event, this is good, they, they have made it through their first event, and now they have worked up a second event, and I, I don't mean to sound, uh, uh, snarky about that, this is, the NAPT is a a new organization, and they're sort of making their way out into the tournament uh, realm, as the case may be. And they're throwing another event here in the Chicagoland area, up in Gray's Lake. Their Summer Tinball Classic is what they're calling it, and it's running uh, tomorrow mm, through the weekend. And you can actually catch the stream of that for free. So just go online, check out Railbirds TV. They have their own YouTube channel, and you can uh, get in on uh, watching the women's action there. It's uh, a a ladies' event. So congrats to the NAPT for being able to keep it together. That's good. We like to see these things, Mark. You know, progress being made. Yeah. um, More events.
1: NAPT is uh, North American Pool Tour.
0: I believe that's correct. I want to say... North American Pool
1: Tour? It is. It is a ladies-only event.
0: I believe these um, their events so far have just been primarily ladies' events. Yes. It is okay. women's? Yeah, I'm looking at it Divis- right now to see. Uh, yeah.
1: My my little buddy there, Karen Kaur. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's uh, being featured on a TV channel on a match or something. Uh, based on this YouTube, their YouTube page. Yes. Railbirds Productions.
0: Railbirds um,
1: TV. Uh. I'll tell you what, Karen Carr is one of those, she's just golden, man. Yeah, and,
0: uh, you're not kidding.
1: You, you're uh, you're hard-pressed to find something wrong with that, with that woman. Mm. Really are. Mm-hmm. Really, really are. She's a absolute sweetheart. I know there's plenty of sweethearts out there, plenty of nice people, but... I you know, there's just no considering, you know, she's a Hall of Famer and you oh, yeah. know, she's very recognizable. Sure. But uh she she do she doesn't carry herself that way. She's just very down to her. Sure, sure. Uh, uh, I've had a, a lot of fun being around her in the past, so
0: Well, apparently she can play her butt off too. I mean, you know, she she she's Something, someone to be contended with—that's for sure. Yeah. I'm gonna throw another. A, Sorry, go ahead.
1: Uh, no, I, it, it just reminded me. I'm, I'm, you know I'm like running off with my mouth and telling little stories here and there. Uh, we, were, I was with her and uh, Nick Barner. We were doing a, a couple of uh, events together, and we'd been down this road a couple of times over the last couple of days that we that we'd been in this town and there was a, a British food store that was, that was there. You don't find them everywhere. The, you know, every major city has probably one, maybe two, uh, that has all the things from back in England that you can't get here. <laughs> and, uh, we kept saying, we need to go in there. We need to go in there. So, we and Nick Varner going to this uh, little English food store that has all these things you just can't find here that bring back so many memories. It could be candy, it could be food, it could be anything. And Nick comes in and he's he just leant against this wall and watched And before long, he started, I think he was taking video or pictures because we were like, like kids. It's literally like kids in a candy store. You know, I'm on one side running there, one aisle. She's down the other side right, right another aisle. And we scream at each other. Look, Karen, come over here. Come over here. They've got bachelors, chip shop, sour mushy peas. <laughs> which Nobody knows what that is except like us. I know, You right? know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She said, I know. Come over here. They've got round trees, fruit pastels. <laughs> nobody knows what it is. And we, we must have been screaming back and forth and running back and forth like whirling dervishes. And uh Nick was just let against this wall he was laughing his ass off, going, like, What the hell happened with you two and uh you totally changed. What did you get well, we we got like a hundred and fifty dollars worth of shit that we can't do anything with. We can't cook it right here, we can't take it home from here, we can't get it on a plane. We have no idea what we going to do. Karen had like four bottles of something called Redox, which is um, it's like a, a, it's a liquid. It's a relaxing liquid. Apparently, it's very big in England where you if you take baths. The bigger baths in England, you know, yeah. and, and in in Great Britain, and you put this Redox in, in your bathtub, and it's supposed to relax you and the aromatic stuff. Yeah, she got a lot of that. I got a lot of salad cream. But yeah, it's just a, uh, sorry, it's just a side thing. I think I got ADD, man. We are talking about real bird with this with New tour, and somehow we're talking about Red basalt.
0: <laughs> I don't know where we went wrong, Mark.
1: <laughs> I apologize. calls Costa, sweetheart, that's all I'm going to say. I'll leave her, her at that. She like she's the part of this NAPT uh, women's division.
0: Yeah. So. Uh, no. <laughs> okay. Um. Oh, so God. you gave Karen the hell of an endorsement there. That's that's good. That's good because she's a sweetheart. Yeah,
1: and nothing. nothing that call me either. Yeah. I, I tell you, anything right? she wants, I, I, she wants I'll, I'll give her an endorsement all day long for free.
0: And send her the bill. You know, there you go. I'm going to yeah. give you uh another. Well, I, in case you missed it. I mean, I don't think you did, but in case not you, but in case they missed it, Turning Stone cranks up on the twenty fifth. Twenty fifth to the twenty eighth, right? You wanna if you're if you're you know, going, that's cool. But if you're not, make your plans already to watch it. There will be a free stream. Just so you know. There is also I'm streaming it. Um, you know that's a really good question. I, I, it's on. It's gonna be on their UStream channel, but I do not know the who the camera techs are gonna be. So that's a that's a good question. They've got their own UStream channel. Uh, and of course, also cranking up. Hmm, what is that Monday, August twenty second? Ray Hansen and Pool Action TV is having another Fight Night event. It's going to be Chip Compton versus Danny Smith. They are playing seven and ahead. So you guys are going to, uh, if you want to watch some good pay-per-view action, head over to PoolActionTV.com this weekend and see what those guys got going on. They always got something interesting going on over there. Don't you know?
1: Who's it, Chip
0: Compton and who? Um, you already made me forget. Um, uh, 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 Danny Smith. So you know that'll be a good yeah. grudge match.
1: <laughs> but, but no, both good guys. I, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. From from my from my experience with them, they're nice. Uh, you know, never had a any kind of issue or problem uh, with them. Or I've never seen them really act out wide. So, Cherry Ch- Ch- Stone, by the way, will be on AZB TV.
0: Oh well, all right then. Upstate Al will be up there. I don't know why I didn't think about that. He's in New York already, so he'll probably be streaming that. That's good. That's yeah. good. Well, apparently there's also an extreme pool challenge coming up on the 27th. Now, this is down in uh, Tallahassee. Free to watch. It's a free stream. Going to be playing some uh, nine ball. They call this the Southeastern Nine Ball Open. What do you know about that? Hmm. ExtremePoolChallenge.com if you want to check into that. So lots of pool action. You know, Mark, somebody ought to take all these different individual tours and these different individual events and string them together in like a, you know, I don't know, like a pro tour or something.
1: I, you know, I've got wood there's a couple of people, influential people. In the in the industry, we're trying China really try and put something You're together?
0: Looking into that
1: huh? uh, to to make something like that happen. So we'll we'll just have to. I know people talk about this a lot. I think that uh, the people who are involved, from my from what I know, are pretty serious about seeing a change. Whether it comes to fruition or not is a whole other thing. Sure. You know, but I, I, I believe that the people who are working on it at this particular point very serious and mm-hmm. really want to see something happen. So uh, if it doesn't work with them, I, it's, it's going to be tough for uh, anybody to get it done. But let, let me ask you a little bit more real quick about this. What, what, what was the, the last thing that you just said that's in Florida, the extreme challenge?
0: This is the um, extreme pool challenge. Is is that's the name of the website, but what the name of the event is, the Southeastern Nine Ball Open. This is being held in Tallahassee, Florida. At uh, Zingale's Sports Bar, apparently this is the fifth annual. You know, I didn't. I, I am not uh, not familiar with this event to be honest. Uh, how with much
1: How much had money?
0: Uh, they said there's a $9,000 prize pool total, $3,000 added.
1: Okay, that's probably why I haven't heard about it too much. It um, Uh be. I, uh, I, 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 I appreciate the putting on an event there in Florida. You know, extreme pool challenge with $3,000 added is really not that exciting. To be honest
0: with you. <laughs> well, for it's the not, locals, it is. No. For the locals, it is, man. You know, the,
1: there's going to be. You're not b- breaking any record. No. Uh, you know, it's, uh, oh. let me call it, let me have a $3,000 ad let the Intergalactical <laughs> World <laughs> Pool Tournament. Yeah. With 3,000 ads. you know, like, the Intergalactical Pool Challenge? He did explain more than 3,000 ads. It just seems like he's overselling himself. But, uh, and I don't even know who's doing it. And, uh, I, you know, I shouldn't say it. Cause, uh, that's right. They're that playing something together and somebody else isn't. That's right. I'm not doing it. That's right. I'm not doing it.
0: That's right. Are you going to go out and start a tour? Oh, wait.
1: <laughs> Maybe
0: you should. <laughs>
1: you never
0: know you never know you never know, know what could happen, happen. um uh, when is this tornado open uh, all right well, i guess i'm gonna let it be uh the tornado the tornado open is not until the end of september so i don't want to jump with the gun on that but but just so you guys know you're gonna want to get behind that event for sure just just a distant early warning be be aware the tornado open is coming there's a tornado coming and you gotta go all right, Mark. We're putting people to sleep, so um, let's get on off out of here. Um, do you have anything to add this week, sir? No, I think that's
1: it. I've had enough fun for today. I enjoyed you
0: Yeah, well, I think we gave them all the the you know the weekly scoop there, and uh, they'll just have to wait for next week to see what happens. You know, what kind of wonderful things are going to be developing next week. We're gonna move along. China
1: open. China, China open. That's what's coming up. Next yeah,
0: that's right. China open. We have to see what happens with uh, with with that. So that'll be cool. All right, Mark. Well, thanks for your time once again. I appreciate it. You didn't. You didn't tell our our listeners that it's um, August the eighteenth. You were supposed to throw in the date for me. Remember?
1: <laughs> yeah. i sorry. I apologize. Today is August the eighteenth, two thousand and
0: sixteen. Thank you.
1: And this is American
0: Billiard Radio. Awesome. Exactly. And we're going to be right back with uh, a couple more chapters from Willie Hoppy's uh, book, 30 Years of Billiards, right after this. All right. Welcome back, everybody. This is the portion of the program where we are reading through a book Couple of chapters at a time. We are currently reading Willie Hoppy's 30 Years of Billiards, originally published in 1925. And so far, we have covered up to chapter 10. So if you are not current with us, feel free to go back to the previous episodes and catch up. This week, we're going to start on chapter 11. So, Chapter 11: Our Fortunes at Low Ebb: The Tide Turns. We had rough sledding on the road that year. Mr. Lucky's failure to make good as an advance agent made my job made my father's job difficult. All I had to do was adjust my game to the differences of cloth and cushions on each new table and to make three ivory balls behave. But my father had to make all the booking arrangements, sell tickets, distribute handbills, tack up posters, visit the newspaper offices, and at the same time keep a watchful eye on me, for I was still too young to travel alone. I could remember him sitting in the lobby of some little hotel in a middle western town, chewing on the end of a cigar, studying a map and a railroad timetable, wondering which town to make on our next jump, figuring up the railroad fare and counting a little bundle of bills, mostly ones and twos, to see whether or not we had enough money to make it. In spite of the fact that I had gained something of a reputation by this time, and my father always carried around a bunch of newspaper clippings to, to prove it, the roomkeepers were skeptical of my ability and slow to guarantee purses for our exhibitions. We arrived in a Missouri town on the same day that Barnum and Bailey's circus played an engagement there. We went to the afternoon performance, and while we were in the sideshow tent, watching the freaks, my father had an idea. He hunted up the manager of the circus and introduced himself. I'm Frank Hoppy," he said, and this is Willie Hoppy, the Boy Wonder, the greatest young billiard player in the world. Here's a great idea. Put a billiard table in your sideshow tent and let my boy give an exhibition at every performance. The circus manager had a far away look in his eye. Look here, my father went on, warming up to his subject. This sword swallowing stuff is old. So is the bearded lady. The people are tired of snake charmers and fire eaters. Why don't you give them something new? My boy can take three ivory balls and make a hundred points with a rail nurse in five minutes. Look at these clippings. He produced his bundle of newspaper publicity. The circus manager explained that the country people could see billiards played every time they came to town. Billiard balls and cues were, were familiar objects. What the circus wanted to do was get people away from everyday things and give the people something strange and romantic. Now, if your Willie could wear a Hindu juggler's costume, balance a couple of balls on the end of his nose, and then make fancy shots at the same time, we might be able to make a place for him. My father's enthusiasm waned. The circus, with all its grandeur and glitter and noise, went on its way without us, and my father returned to the prosaic job of selling my job Or selling my billiard skill to a skeptical public in billiard rooms where they spoke our language and wore plain clothes. We ran into a stretch of hard luck soon after that. Receipts fell off, and we had to write home for money. Finally, when we reached Moberly, Missouri, we were down to our last dollar. My father canvassed the billiard rooms of the town without any success. Nobody apparently wanted to see me play. The proprietor of the biggest room in town was particularly obstinate. My father argued with him for nearly an hour trying to make a deal. This ain't a vaudeville show, said the roomkeeper. Why should I spend my good money to get a crowd here just to see your boy play? Besides, how do I know he can do all the things you say? My father offered to cut the fee from 25 to 15, then 10. And finally, in desperation, he offered to give the exhibition for what he could collect from the crowd. The roomkeeper was obstinate. He wouldn't budge. Well, my father finally said, will you let us have the use of a table for him to practice on? The proprietor grudgingly agreed. So that night, after we spent our last dollar for supper, we went back to the billiard room and my father handed me the ivory balls we carried with us. Willie, my boy, he said in German, show these people what you can do. I started in. A A little crowd collected. The roomkeeper paid no attention at first, but after a while, he left his desk and came over to watch. My father sat sullenly in a corner, grumbling to himself. As for me, I don't believe I ever played better billiards in my life. The balls were particularly amiable, were in a particularly amiable mood, and I marched them down the rail, turned the corner, and marched them back again, making points almost as fast as I could stroke my cue. At the end of an hour, my father tapped me on the shoulder. Come on, Willie, he said. It's time to go. The crowd, which had grown to more than a hundred, wanted me to keep playing, but my father shook his head. Hold on, the roomkeeper said. He went to his cash register and took out a five-dollar bill. Others in the crowd offered to chip in, but now it was my father's turn to be obstinate. Willie, put up your cue and he turned to the room, roomkeeper. Keep your five dollars, he said. I gave you a chance to make a deal, but you turned me down. Now you can't hire him with all the money in this town. And we marched grandly out of the place. At the hotel that night, we found two letters. One had a foreign postage stamp. Jacob Schaefer, the wizard who had gone to Paris after winning the world's championship in New York City in December, wrote to say that he had made a deal with the manager of one of the big Paris academies for me to go abroad and play some of the young French experts. I would receive $300 a month and all my expenses. The other letter was postmarked Cornwall. It contained a money order. My mother had pawned her diamond ring to pay our railroad fare back to New York. That concludes Chapter 11. And on to Chapter 12. Off to Paris. As a result of Jacob Schaefer's negotiations, I sailed for France in October 1902 to begin a series of engagements at the Olympia Academy in Paris. The trip was too expensive for my father, so he stayed at home. It was arranged that John Kammerer, Schaefer's father in law, who was returning to Paris at the same time, should look out for me on the journey across, and I was to live with the Kemmerers at their home in Paris. My father and mother, Frank, and my two sisters were at the pier to see me off. My father delib- delivered a lot of last-minute instructions to Camera just before we went on board. I must practice two hours every morning and be in bed by 10.30 every night. No gallivanting around the boulevards, no smoking, no drinking. My salary was to be sent back home every week after deducting just enough to pay my board and incidental incidental expenses with these final admonitions ringing in my ears and my mother trying to comfort my sisters who were crying as heartily as she was we set sail I caught a last glimpse of my family as the first Bismarck swung out in midstream and headed down the bay they were standing in the group at the end of the Hoboken Pier waving handkerchiefs and shouting farewell messages which I could not hear but only guess at. And yet I knew they were calling to me, however faintly the sounds came floating across the water. My mother was telling me to be a good boy and say my prayers. My father was telling me to remember and practice at least two hours every morning. And Frank's farewell was something like this. Beat those Frenchmen, Willie, or don't ever come back! Mr. Kammerer, undisturbed by any sentimental reflections, settled himself comfortably in the smoking room as the steamer dropped down the narrows. As soon as the New York skyline had disappeared, I went on a tour of exploration. The first thing that occurred to me, of course, was to look for the billiard room. Surely every first-class ocean liner would be equipped with a couple of billiard tables, and I looked forward to putting in several hours of practice each day on the journey across. I must have traversed several miles of passageways and climbed a dozen flights of stairs looking for that billiard room, but there wasn't any. Finally, when I asked Mr. Kammerer about it, he explained that they hadn't yet been able to find a way to keep the ocean smooth. And as long as the ship rolled and tossed, you couldn't get the billiard balls to stay in one spot long enough to make a shot. So the, for the first time in seven years, I had a vacation from the billiard table. Mr. Kemmerer and I used to take long walks around the deck. And he would tell me about the famous French players, Maurice Fignot, the old master... Louis Cure, Fermi Cassanol, a young player who was said to possess perfect form at the table, Sanchez and Alvarez. He used to he used to compare the French experts with his son-in-law Jacob Schaefer, who excelled them all, especially in the masse, and of whom he was very proud. Deck shuffleboard, and deck shuffleboard helped pass the time on on the journey and also served to keep my eye and hand in trim. The seven days crossing passed quickly enough, and before I could realize it, we had landed at Havar and were on a train bound for Paris. I had heard a great deal about the French academies. They were altogether altogether different, I found, from the billiard rooms I had been used to in the United States. The Olympia, where I was under contract to play twice a day for three months, was upstairs over the Olympia Music Hall in the Boulevard des Capitunes, just off Rue Scribe, a quarter well-known to American travelers. Instead of a large public room with billiard tables all about, the Olympia Academy consisted chiefly of an amphitheater surrounded, surrounding a single billiard table, with seats arranged in all tiers all about, and little tables scattered about where the spectators could sit and drink their wine. No admission fee was charged, but every patron, upon entering and taking a seat, was visited by the waiter, and he had to invest in at least one drink to the value of a franc. The Frenchman could make his initial drink go a long way, One glass of port wine would last the average Parisian billiard enthusiast through two hundred points of balk line, twenty points of three-cushion, and a dozen games of red ball. Upon our arrival in Paris, Mr. Kammerer took me to the manager of the Olympia, and and when the introductions were accomplished, he arranged for my first exhibition in public. I was to be given three days for practice, to become accustomed to the new condition of cloth balls lighting surroundings etc and then I was to be matched against the, front, the young french player Fournier. meanwhile placards were posted in the cafes announcing the arrival of les Jeunes american willie happy extraordinaire who would meet all comers at the olympia That concludes chapter 12. We appreciate you guys listening. And of course, join us next week. We are going to uh, continue with chapter 13 of Willie Hoppe's book, 30 Years of Billiards. But before I go, I want to share a little secret with you. And this is one of those very few times in the program on the show Where you'll be glad that you stuck it out and listened to the entire show. Um, Just in that chapter there, we heard that Willie Hoppy had gone overseas to Paris with John Kemmerer as his um, guardian, so to speak. uh, Instead of Willie's father going with him on the trip. And... It just so happens that John Kemmerer, as you might have picked up from the last chapter, he John was Jacob Schaefer's father-in-law. You know what that means is Jacob Schaefer married a woman, uh, and John was that woman's father. So interestingly enough, uh, Jacob Schaefer, the first, he died in 1910. Um. So he was gone when Willie Hoppy was growing up. They did not get to meet except for just a couple of years there, and then he died. Willie Hoppy having taken literally the, the crown, the title, from the Shafers. There was a Jacob Shaffer II who came back, grew up in the billiard world, and ended up taking that title back from Willie Hoppy. Sort of an interesting twist of events there to have the son come back and take it from the man who took it from his father so that's you know it's kind of a cool story there's also a Jacob Schaefer the third and fourth believe it or not Uh, Jacob Schaefer the third and fourth are both alive they both uh, last time I spoke to them they both work in a university Uh, they might both be professors I'm not really positive about that but here's the thing Um, I got a, a letter from a woman in San Francisco, not too long ago. This was actually only a few months back. Uh, Jacob Schaefer actually lived in San Francisco for for quite a while. We got a letter. This woman had found a letter from uh, Jacob Schaefer's wife to his father, or to her father, discussing um, whether or not Jacob Schaefer Jr. was old enough yet to face Hoppy and some of these other professionals and and it was John Kemmer was the person that was writing the letter so the person that found this in San Francisco they recognized what was going on in the letter and they just wanted to get it back to the Schaefer family so we were able to contact the Schaefer's put them in contact and so they actually recovered this letter from their great-great-father-in-law from, oh, my God, like 100 years ago or something, that the woman had found in San Francisco in a box of used books. So there's a fantastic story about families being reconnected after 100 years just by chance, just by a, a random chance finding in a bookstore. So it's good stuff, guys. All right. Sorry to put you to sleep. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week right here on American Billiard Radio